Hi everybody, welcome to the Women's Dating and Confidence Podcast. My name is Amber and today I have a really special episode for you because we have a special guest, Danielle Savory, and she is really amazing. She has a podcast called It's My Pleasure and she teaches women how to have a better sex life. So she's going to be teaching us a lot today. After this interview, I messaged Danielle and I told her I had such a vulnerability hangover and I was like, did I really just say orgasmic meditation on my podcast? So we're going to be covering topics that are not usually spoken about openly and not even in friendship circles sometimes. So I think you're really going to enjoy the episode and welcome Danielle. Thank you so much, Danielle, for coming on the Women's Dating and Confidence podcast. I have been listening to your podcast, It's My Pleasure, available on iTunes (laughs) uh, (laughs) over the last year. And I love how deep you go into women's sexuality, how to create desire and not just thinking like it's something that happens to us uh, based on how attractive our partner is, that it's actually something that we can bring out of ourselves. I love how you talk about women's pleasure and the importance of that. And I just was thinking about having you on my podcast the entire time when I was listening to your podcast. So I'm really <laughs> excited to have you here. Yay. Well, it's so good to hear you and meet you in real life, a real life listener. And thanks for having me. I'm excited for our conversation today. All right. So why don't we start with you sharing a little bit more about your background, what you do for people who mm-hmm. don't know what you do and how you got into that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, these questions like how, like, how do we get into this? It's like, basically it started when I was two years old, so I won't go all the way back, but I think it's interesting (laughs) when we finally like find our thing, we're like all how it makes sense, like all these little Mm. moments in our life that add to it. Right. So I think that's so fascinating that that can be revealed to you. And you're like, cause you really have no idea when you're younger and you're trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden the pieces start falling in place. And over the last couple of years, I've really seen that. So for those, um, you know, that Amber said, like I have a podcast, it's my pleasure, but specifically I help women have a better sex life. And, you know, that is a number of different things for different women, whether it's somebody that's not experiencing any orgasming or um, it's just not something that they prioritize or they've been in a long-term relationship and they just lost that loving feeling or not desiring it. Like it means a whole range of things for a bunch of different people. That's why I like to say a better sex life because you could have really amazing, great sex with your partner. There's still another level. So we always are leaning into this place of growth with letting our pleasure be ours, turning our desire on and off and really how to tap into that and really seeing what is getting in our way, you know, obstacle wise, whether that's in our body, in our brains or out in our environment, that's keeping us from accessing that, you know, extreme sexual pleasure in our body. Oh my gosh. There are two things I love that you just said. One is there's always another level. I'm like, oh my gosh, like how high does it go? Yes. Oh, the other thing he said is extreme pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't think of sexuality that way. 
They're oh. like, yeah, like it's good or like I'm very attracted, but we don't think of like deeper and deeper levels and extreme pleasure. Yeah. Well, I think that it's just because we haven't given ourselves that, you know, permission to even explore that, especially for women and the way that sex has been presented to us, uh, you know, whether it's in the media or religion or our parents or even just, you know, debates about our body politically, right? Like sex has not really seemed like it's ours. And when it's not ours, it's hard to let yourself dream bigger and bigger about what that could look like because we never have had the opportunity to even own it in the first place. Mm. So what are some of those perceptions that people have of sex that you have a different perception of? Like, how do most people that start to work with you think of sex? And how do you guide them to think of it differently? Um, well, that could be, you know, an entire three-year series. Hence <laughs> 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 my podcast, but I'll give you kind of some of, like, the main ones that I yeah. see. And this is the thing is like, I really want people to think about this that are listening to this with an open mind, because your mind is immediately going to, I'm guessing, you know, you're probably this is your listeners are, you know, young women who are tend to be a little bit more progressive in the most part, right. And, um, don't think that they think this way, right. But when Mm -hmm. we really start to unpack it, there is all these subtleties. So when you hear this next one that I'm sharing with you, you'll be like, duh, I don't believe that. But that's your conscious mind doesn't. When we have a belief that our conscious mind might believe, it doesn't mean that our subconscious mind is believing the same thing. And that's one of the things that you really want to be aware of is that you might have part of you that's like, yeah, that's ridiculous. And then the other part's like, oh, but here's how it's showing up. So that one, the whole caveat Mm -hmm. (laughs) entrance into this is that it's for the man and, or it's for your partner, right? That it is something for them, not for us. And, and the way that this shows up, and this is what I'm saying when I'm talking to a lot of women, they're like, yeah, I know that, of course. Like, I'm not like a 50s housewife. It isn't my wifely duty. Yet the way that they're talking about it still feels that way, right? Like, it could be a chore. Um, it can be... Um, something that it's like earned by the man, right? So if you're dating, like how many dates do I go on before I let him, right? Which is is a very subtle way of saying like I and this sex and this sexual body is has to be earned so I can give it to you versus, you know, like <laughs> receiving pleasure for yourself, right? Do you mm-hmm. hear the difference there? And so it's, that's the main one that I would say, and it shows up in so many different ways, even actually in the bedroom. They did this study about um, asking women like what their like how they, you know, their definition basically of like good sex or great sex. And then like, what does bad sex look like? Right. And mm-hmm. a lot of the women that were describing bad sex, like to be really bad. And even like, they would be like, oh yeah, it's good. Even if they don't orgasm, even if it hurts a little bit, that was the crazy part. So many women said, yeah, the sex was good. Even if there was just a little bit of discomfort And for men, their definition of bad sex is 
they didn't orgasm. Yeah. And women's are like, I didn't get harmed during yes. that's <laughs> that we would consider, you know, so it's just this huge range of like, you can really see how women are like, we've looked at sex forever and that our orgasm wouldn't even, and I don't, I don't promote, as you know, listening to my podcast, that orgasm is the goal. Let's just say my pleasure isn't at the top of our ranking to make sex good. But if the man doesn't have sex, then we feel bad. Like we did something wrong. Like we didn't perform or we didn't do our job because he wasn't able to get off. Like that's bad sex. Yeah. And you know, the part and I definitely recognize these things in me. Um, I struggled with painful intercourse um, in past relationships. And it depended on various factors, like how painful it was. But there were some instances where it was very painful and others where it was just like a little bit at the beginning and then it got more comfortable. So it was like, I'll just get over it. Mm-hmm. And I definitely through reflection saw that often I wouldn't even speak up or say something because and actually when it would get more painful it was really upsetting to me but it was mainly upsetting to me because I felt like that underlying belief of who's going to want to be with somebody who can't enjoy sex that's not sexy Mm, so yeah. it's more about him enjoying me enjoying it rather than just I can't enjoy it like that being the primary concern right exactly yeah so what does it mean for you so you talked about the orgasm not being at the center of the focus but mm-hmm. rather your pleasure And what does it mean to tune in more into our pleasure and to um, not make it the focus, but also want that? Mm -hmm. And like, what are the different ways that women can experience more pleasure in their sex lives? Oh, I love this question. Okay, so first off, I'm not saying don't have orgasms, like go out, have (laughs) all the (laughs) you ladies got to get some right. So I'm not saying, like, I'm not anti-O. I am very pro-O. This is, they're amazing. Like, let's rack them up, right? It's just like, you know, ladies building their business, like their accounts, (laughs) their money accounts. Mm -hmm. Like, let's get our O's in there too. But that being said, when we're talking about insects, And when we go, whether it's self-pleasure, so when I say sex, I just want to be clear, I'm not talking about penis and vagina sex. Um, I think that's really important as I'm going on this conversation. I think sex is any kind of like erotic act. It could be what we consider to be making out, um, foreplay. I hate the word foreplay because that indicates that the main course is actually penis and vagina. And I don't think that's the case for most women. And it really just puts the male centric like pleasure at the focus of what we're doing here. So anything, Mm. this could be self pleasure. This could be, you know, a connection with your partner that is not penis and vagina. Okay. So first Mm -hmm. and foremost, it's really Mm -hmm. good for us to like expand our minds around what sex even means. And 
And when I'm saying like not having orgasm focused, what happens a lot of times with women is if we have this idea that orgasm is the goal, we have a lot of thoughts happening in our mind that will interrupt our experience in our body of pleasure. So let's say that you are with a partner and you're feeling good and things are, you know, ramping up and, you know, you're starting to feel like more aroused and more turned on and things are really good. And then you start to have the thought, oh, I'm taking too long or this is taking too long, right? Because you're not getting close to orgasm or you're not orgasming. This thought I'm taking too long, or even he must be thinking I'm taking too long, is going to immediately put a block up in your body. You're going to feel frustrated or irritated, or you're going to try and like move things along. And this is the opposite of what pleasure feels like. Tension happens in the body, um, kind of a graspiness, like a white knuckling happens in the body. And, and the experience immediately at that point when we start having this train of thought is going to take you actually further away from orgasm. So yes, we like there is a desirable result of orgasming, but when we focus too hard on it, we can actually prevent ourselves from getting the thing that we really want because the brain is so powerful. It's going to impact the body immediately. It's going to take us out of the experience of pleasure and up into our head about like, it's like a spectator. If you think of like watching a sporting event, right? Like, um, you know, I was watching um, European soccer, so football, <laughs> this one time. And, mm -hmm. you know, those um, those guys, what are they called? Sportscasters? I don't know. You know that? I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. That are, like, talking about the play-by-play. -play. They have so much energy that I found myself, I don't even give a shit about football, right? Like, mm -hmm. like on the edge of my seat, like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Da-da-da-da-da. And, like you're just like in it with them, right? So it's setting mm -hmm. the tone of your experience of watching. And that's what happens in our own brain. We start spectatoring our own sport of sex. And when we do that, it can completely take us out of actually experiencing it because we have all these thoughts about it. it's good, it's moving forward, it's not. So when I talk about like not having orgasm as the focus, this is what I'm talking about is let's be in the experience instead of having thoughts and judgments about getting to a destination, because that is going to really kind of cut you off from being available and having your body available to when I'm talking about like extreme pleasure, <laughs> you mm -hmm. won't have the availability because your brain is elsewhere. And you know, the second part of your question, so how do you experience pleasure? Really, it's this, it's getting out of your head and getting into your body. So, so often, whether we're thinking about the sex that we're having, we're thinking about, you know, something totally different, like Amber and I, right before we got on the phone, right, we're talking about her cat and my puppy and they're like distracting, right? Like you could hear your cat in the other room or you could think about an email you needed to send and immediately your brain is elsewhere. That's gonna take you out of where pleasure is happening, which is 
in your body. So you want to notice when your brain has wandered, you can just simply note it like, oh, I've gone somewhere else, back to my body. And the main thing that I coach all of my clients through to help develop this sense of expanding your pleasure and tapping into your pleasure in your body is just to start asking questions like, what am I noticing? Um, what feels good? Can I stay here, right? So it's like if you notice one sensation feels really good in your body, can you rest your attention there and almost feel like you can expand that sensation with your mind? I know it sounds woo-woo, but when you start practicing it, you can really see that um, you have the ability with your mind and how much your mind is paying attention to the sensation to make it bigger or smaller. And mm -hmm. contrast, like let's say you have a headache, right? And you're just thinking about your headache. Like it feels like your head's going to explode when you're just thinking about how painful your head is. But then let's say your best friend calls and they're t sharing this most exciting news. Let's say they just got engaged and they're like, da, 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 da. And then he got on one knee and he said this and you're just like so wrapped up and you're crying and you're in the story and you're so happy for her. For those 10 minutes, guess what you weren't feeling? The pain in your head because mm -hmm. you weren't paying attention to it. So when we're talking about pleasure, it's the same thing. It's there if only we train our brain to pay attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is so amazing. And I actually had an experience that relates to this. So when people started having sex in my community in high school, I was kind of late to the train uh, or party, yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah. that thing is. Um, and uh, girls started talking about oh, I totally had an orgasm and I orgasmed a hundred times and like all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And when I did start having sex, I felt really left out and like something was wrong with me because I couldn't orgasm. I wanted to, I was not able to with my partners. Mm. And so I started Googling, like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I orgasm? Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I found was this woman and an organization, um, I think it's called Orgasmic Meditation. Mm -hmm. And so um, actually, I could orgasm, but only with the help of like some sort of device, like a vibrator or shower where it was like, but not organically, like not just with my own hands, not with somebody else, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so um, she spoke about orgasmic meditation, which is where you set a timer mm -hmm. for five minutes and you masturbate and you don't use any devices and you just focus on the actual sensation it's not like you're watching porn you're not imagining anything you're just focusing on the sensation and learning what that feels like right and so I did that and I was completely surprised that for the first time ever I was actually able to orgasm yeah and um and I noticed that it, like I had tried that in the past and was never able to do that and like it would never lead anywhere, feel like it was increasing or any of that. Mm -hmm. But um, that was so helpful for 
learning, first of all, that I can do that. That was like really powerful for me. Yeah. Um, but it is possible. And getting out of my head, learning to focus on the sensation and um, learning what feels good to me. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about here, right? It's just being able to have that ability. And it takes practice. It's not just um, feeling sensation. I think the thing that uh, a lot of people and women in particular, because that's who I coach, need to remember that it's the training of the brain that's taking you time. It's not something that's like wrong with your body, or I can't feel it. It's our brains are just wire to look out for threats and be distracted. And um, this isn't a you thing. It's just a human brain thing. And so training it in this skill of being able to continuously notice when it's wandered and come back to the body. And specifically in this case, coming back to pleasurable sensation takes practice and it takes like curiosity and it's uh, something that you continue to develop. And as you do that, you'll notice your ability to experience pleasure is going to expand because you're trained your brain to focus on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so tell me about the different types of orgasm. Usually we just think of the one. So I saw this somewhere on your Instagram, like the quick orgasm but there are different ways to experience an orgasm what are some of the different ways that we can experience that well I think when a lot of people hear me saying like the different types they think of like uh, the the way that they speak about in Cosmo magazines or something Mm -hmm. right it's like a g-spot orgasm or a blended orgasm or a clitoral orgasm or it's like a um you know an orgasm where there's actually no physical simulation, you know, or breath orgasm, like these kind of things. That's not what I'm talking about here. However, you receive the orgasm is not what I mean by a different an orgasm. What I'm really talking about is your experiencing experience of it. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Um, So your experience of it, like some orgasms, you might just notice like, they will leave you in tears, which sounds crazy, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like open something up in you. And it's like, it's not necessarily because of the person that you're with. It's almost like where you were at, it feels like it touched something almost um, deep, like historical in you or something that it, it felt healed by this kind of touch. It's like healing or like an emotional release. There can be ones that are a little bit quicker. Uh, these tend to come, I think, when we have the goal of orgasming. So, and there's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with them. An orgasm is great regardless, right? There's no like ranking of best, to, you know, good or something like that. These are just all different, but it might be like a stress release. Like you had a stressful day, you take care of some business and then you have like this quick, oh, and you're like, oh, that felt so good. It's like this sigh of relief, but it was really quick. It wasn't this long experience. It was like a quick burst of like energy that got out. And then you feel kind of this sense of relief, almost like if you had a glass of wine or you went on a run. Um, There's other ones that I feel like almost like spark your creativity. Like afterwards, it's like your brain's just like pop, 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 like with ideas, (laughs) like all of a sudden, like all the sparks seem to come together and you're like, holy shit, I got to get this like idea or this problem. I finally figured out how to solve it. Like that kind of happens. 
where it just feels like things make sense. Um, I think there's sometimes like women that I talk to where afterwards they just feel like powerful, um, where, and maybe that was because of the way that you approached it. Um, you just feel like in full ownership of your body and your desire and your arousal and you walk away and you're like, I'm an effing boss. Like that was amazing. You know, um, mm-hmm. I'm trying, some are just like a really deep emotional connections with your partner. Like you just feel so in love. Um, and you just want to hold them and never let go of them. I mean, it's just more about the overall experience. I, and so, yeah, I think it's like they come with orgasms, but what they're offering you as far as like a feeling state can be so different, even though the physical pleasure is there. Mm. Yeah. And it sounds like just getting more in tune and um, again, like getting more into your body is what allows you to notice those different sensations and even just um, or different feeling states and even just the idea that there is more ways to experience an orgasm than just like the quick release can make you curious about your state afterwards or during and how it felt to you. Yeah, yeah. Or sometimes like, you know, like if you're in a multi-orgasmic state, um, the each orgasm sometimes can feel maybe a little bit less intensity of those quick spurts, but it lasts for like ever. (laughs) It just keeps (laughs) going, right? So it's just like, like as, oh, it's going up and then I'm kind of not coming all the way down, but I'm like just kind of staying there and you're almost staying in, in this ecstatic level of pleasure for an extended period of time. Like there's that kind of thing. Um, or even after the sex is over, you just feel like your whole body is vibrating and like there's like almost this energy harnessed for your use in the rest of your life. Like it doesn't just end you just feel more awake and alive in your body I mean there's there's so much to Mm -hmm. experience (laughs) yeah yeah and I was just uh learning recently that in some traditions and cultures they think of your sexual energy as your life force Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that I'm not I tend to as you know just my voice tends to um, stay on the science side versus the spiritual side, but we're all saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I do agree with that. And in some traditions, it's very interesting too. like, especially with men, they encourage men to get like right up to that point, um, before they orgasm and then pull back because it is their life force. They want to harness it in their body rather than, um, letting it come out of them. Mm. So, One thing that can come up for a lot of women is body shame Mm -hmm. and not feeling very comfortable in their skin, in their bodies. And actually one person had messaged me about this and I recommended she listen to your podcast episode about Mm -hmm. feeling more confident in your body. Mm -hmm. One thing with that that I'm specifically curious about is Mm -hmm. um, shame about the way that our vaginas look. Yeah. And comparing it to pornography or feeling like he has an idea of what it should look like or you have an idea of this person's looks like and it doesn't look like yours. And why do we have that? And what can we do to feel more comfortable about the way that our bodies look and feel at home in our bodies? 
Yeah, this is such a great question. And whether it's, you know, about like your vulva or about like your overall body or about your face, I think it still always comes back to the message of like, what have we learned is the standard. And that is always playing on this, like, you know, real in the back of our minds, because we're going to judge ourselves based on what we think this quote unquote standard is out there. And you know, for, for women, like a lot of times, the only time that we actually get to see other women's vulvas out in the world is through pornography. And those women are chose based on their looks of what, you know, the beauty standard quote unquote is, or what men have found to be like that beauty standard, right? So it doesn't give us a lot of range for us to even see how might we might fit into that. So first off, I think it's really important for women to like, they have, I think it's called I'll have to look this up and you can put it in your show notes, Amber, but it's like the wall of vulvas or like the vulva gallery or something like that. (laughs) Um, I just think that it's really important for us to just see the different like shapes and sizes and colors and all of that out there. So we can be like, oh, like this is not like oh, there's so many, like there's this vast array, just like all of our faces look different. Same with our vulvas and our vaginas, right? Like those are all going to look different too. So to think that they're just going to like fit into this small box is, you know, is where we get ourselves in trouble. Um, and, and then when it comes to like your partner or being afraid of what they might think, this is when our own work comes in. It comes in allowing ourselves like to love every single part of us just the way we are without having to change it, like starting with like, how can I have a love affair? So if we have, you know, this wide range, if you're like, there's something wrong with me, I don't like this part about me and I want to get to a place where I love it and I don't, I always recommend, you know, just starting with a place of neutrality. Like I have a vulva, I am a woman right? Like, this this is what Mm -hmm. I have. That feels better than there's something wrong with mine or mine is gross or whatever you're thinking about it, right? Like getting to a place of neutrality. And then as you really start to do, you know, certain kinds of practices where you're actually in your body and experiencing pleasure and letting yourself open up to that, how could you not have appreciation for this part of your body? Like, Mm -hmm. of course, you're going to have appreciation for this part of your body, right? Because it is, um, it, it's so powerful and it can offer you so much like amazing and delicious sensations. So focusing on the appreciation and the gratitude, um, then will allow you to start loving, whether it's this part of your body or all of your body more. And eventually then we can work into like the actual look, right. But just being like, um, opening up again to just, appreciation like thank you like thank you for you know providing me with so much pleasure thank you for connecting me to me thank you for showing me um this way to experience my body in a pleasurable and delicious way right like that's the kind of relationship and the talk that we want to be having with ourselves and with you know our vulvas and vaginas to develop um, a more accepting and loving relationship so I would start there and then you can build into 
you know, loving all of it, but that helps you. Like when you love all of you and you're so like in your mind, like I'm amazing, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and I like, I love myself. (laughs) Then even if you're like, you have a partner and they think something different, it doesn't phase you. It's like, if they're up like mean about anything, then, you know, that's just a goodbye. That's an absolute no. But Mm -hmm. if if there's any kind of like curiosity or confusion, or maybe because they haven't seen a vulva that looks the same as yours, then it doesn't phase you. You're not making it like this is a me thing. It's just like, oh, of course, like you've just never seen a vulva like this. That's fine. That doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Like mine's great. It's just like when I first saw, you know, dragon fruit, it wasn't like, I just never seen dragon fruit before. I never seen it. I didn't know what that looked like, right? Like, yeah. it's like of course, but I'm not going to make it mean something about the dragon fruit because I haven't seen it. I just have never been exposed to it. Mm-hmm. And you don't take it personally. It's not like, oh, I'm less than or I'm not worthy or I'm not beautiful. It's like, oh, of course, you're looking different. Like, that's because you just never seen this kind. It's great. Here you yeah. go. It's amazing. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's good for women to also know that many men have the same challenges around their genitals. Yeah. Um, I have dated men and spoken to men and um, who feel that they're not big enough or they don't look right also based on what they've seen in porn. Right. Um, so we're not different from men in that way. Um, women tend to have more challenges with body shame and body confidence because of the way that we're very heavily like like it's overvalued in our culture. Um, however, men also have that based on our culture. Like there's also those men's health magazines with like these super ripped guys and pornography and all of that. So it's just good to know that everybody um, has growth to do in body acceptance and it's not just yeah. women. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, yes, we definitely all do. And, um, and it's just like, we all have insecurities about all of it, right? Every single human being has insecurities about something, but we can learn to offer ourselves what we're hoping to get from others. Mm -hmm. So what do you feel the impact is of pornography on a woman's sexuality? Do you feel that there is a way that it can be incorporated in a way that is helpful and serves her? Or do you believe that it tends to have a net negative effect on women's sexuality? Um, That's a great question. And I actually haven't been asked that question before. But um, (laughs) I, I believe that, well, for one, there's so many options out there for pornography, right, where there's very, um, you know, uh, pornography made by women um, that have women's pleasure out there, right, as the forefront of it. Um, And it's less derogatory towards women in a lot of ways, right? So Mm -hmm. first and foremost, I think it's like making sure that you're digesting the type of pornography that feels 
not just feels good in your body, but like ethically feels good to you. That is first and foremost, what I would say about pornography. The other thing, this is where we get into a tricky place. I think it's like, what is it teaching you and making you learn about pornography or or excuse me, learn about your sexuality, right? So a lot of times what they show in pornography is the the man's orgasm as at the focus, right? So I've already talked about that. Um, but also shows like women's pleasure. There's a lot of ooing and aahing and ah, ah, ah. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's just not really how it works in the real, the real <laughs> life. Like I know when I'm getting really turned on and I'm in like an orgasmic state or I'm being roused, like my voice isn't ah, ah, ah. It's like yeah. deep. It's like, it's like earthy. It's like, not something that um, (laughs) might be attractive to some men that have been like digesting porn because it's not this "Eh, eh, eh," like it's like Mm -hmm. like a moan it's like you're connected to your body and so even like the small things like that it's like if you're measuring what you think it should look like to the women in there remember they're acting you know they're putting on a performance it's a sexual performance to get usually men view off. It's not real life. And so when we can get out of this facade of what a woman should look like, and we allow ourselves to have our own exploration of what it actually feels like and what it might look like for us, and we become solid in that, then maybe then is the time that you want to introduce this. But again, it's not because um, you know, it could be just to get into a, an erotic context. Um I think getting into an erotic context with your mind can help with arousal. But first and foremost, with anything, we don't want to become dependent on it. It doesn't Mm -hmm. want you don't want to need it to be able to turn yourself on. But I think that it can be fun, um, you know, for certain couples, if you're into that kind of thing, you know, it can definitely be fun and just allow yourself to like, kind of decide what type of pornography that you want to watch and that you want yourself or your partner to be consuming. And why am I watching this? Right? Is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and is this the only way that I'm able to get turned on? How else might I be able to become aroused? How else might I get my mind into an erotic context? Um, even, and when you start to really tap into your body. And like you were talking about with your orgasmic meditation experience, right? Like this wasn't prompted by thinking erotic thoughts. This was prompted simply by following sensation and knowing that's available to you um, is so powerful. And so, uh, you know, porn might come in every once in a while, but let it be like something fun and like a thing that you're doing, not something that you need and definitely not something that you're learning about your sexuality from. Hmm. Yeah, I think you highlighted some really important questions there, which is why am I watching mm-hmm. it? And then also tuning into how does it feel not just like, is it turning me on? But how does it feel on different levels, like ethically? And how do I feel afterwards is a good question to ask as well. Like, am I feeling like this had a positive effect? Or do I feel kind of like, oh, like that didn't really feel good. And also, what am I learning as I'm watching this? Mm -hmm. Um, And definitely what you're learning is going to be impacted by what kind of pornography you're choosing to watch. Right, right. 
And again, like, I don't, like, I don't want to say like, I'm, I'm totally, I, there is some people that are very anti-porn. I'm not anti-porn. I think that it has its place. It can be fun. It can be kind of dirty. It can like do, you know, like whatever, but it's, again, it's why, how am I feeling afterwards? Like, how are you really relating to the porn is the most important part. Like, who are you being with it? Not, um, and, and exploring that for yourself. And it might be something where it's like, you know what, right now, I don't need that in my life. And at some time, maybe I'll watch it again. But like, just giving yourself like permission to ask yourself these kind of questions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, you have two daughters. Mm-hmm. And most, it's really interesting, a lot of people growing up received essentially no communication about sex from their mm-hmm. parents and no education. Their education came through porn, through friends who are the same age as them and also don't aren't educated, yeah. or um, through school, which definitely has an agenda, uh, usually. <laughs> don't get pregnant. Asking, yeah. <laughs> um, so... My microphone just dropped. Um, So a lot of the women probably listening to this podcast haven't had an education or had one that kind of was fear-based or had a certain agenda. So I'm curious, what is it that you are teaching your daughters about sex? And maybe we can just redo our sex education with you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my daughters are very young, so we're not having too many sex conversations right now. But I think that it starts with the way that we relate to our bodies and the the way that we relate to other people's bodies and consent. And so that's really the extent of my sex education with my daughters right now. because of their age. So I want to make sure that it's age appropriate, of course. And if they were coming to me with questions from something their friends had or something they'd seen, of course, I would address it. But that's not happening right now. So what I mean by bodies is allowing them to feel comfortable and like no shame about their body in general, right? So when they were younger, um, like at night, just to like let free, we would do what's called like naked baby dance parties. And they just got to like when they took their day clothes off to get ready for pajamas, we just turned music on and they just got to dance and just be naked and just love their bodies. And there was just like, it was just about just being, you know, joyful and, you know, not having any shame around that for them to just like be naked and, you know, jump around and be little girls. Um, One of the things I think that comes up, right, is like with them touching their vulvas. And I know with little boys touching their penises and not like not shaming them for doing it because again it's just their body it's not like you'd shame them for touching you know their elbow or their cheek or something like they're just like touching because they're curious and it's part of their body and so many um you know conversations I've had with clients it's like don't do that you're dirty and they're like wait what like Mm -hmm. I didn't know I was just like you know touching my body and so just being like making sure especially when they get a little bit older and they can understand like hey these parts are these are like your most special parts these are your most special parts we want to make sure that they're just for you only you touch them or you know making sure like if mommy or daddy is touching you know like where we clean you in the bath but having this conversation about 
how they're, you know, being touched. And also, if you do want to touch, it's okay for you to touch that, but you do that, you know, in your, in your bedroom, like by yourself, right? It's mm-hmm. not something that we're doing out in public kind of thing. Um, so I just think those type of conversations, just opening, you know, their minds to like not shaming and then also just not like that it was, we all have different parts. We all look different. You know, they like have seen my husband walk around naked. It's their dad, right? Like if he's mm-hmm. up in the shower, but there's nothing like, oh no, like it's just, it's just a body, right? And mm-hmm. allowing this, like, these are just naked bodies, right? Mm-hmm. And and when it comes to consent, I think that's the most important thing to talk about with young, young children. Um, and I learned this even like tickling your kids, right? It's like tickling and they're like, no, stop, stop. Like you stop when they say no, even, yeah. if, it's tickling, even if it's not hurting them. Like this is where consent begins is what we're teaching them. And it can be in very innocent, playful ways, but we're not showing them that no means something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I've had that tickling experience as an adult. <laughs> like, yeah. People won't stop. I'm like, no, seriously, stop. Stop. And, um, yeah. And so it's affecting so, that body. Yeah. 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 And so they, they just like, look at me and they'll be like, mom, my body, my choice. I'm like, damn straight. That's right. So that's <laughs> like the other thing is like, they always understand this concept of my body, my choice. And that if they say no, that should be respected. And if it's not, then that's, they need to tell, you know, a teacher or me or somebody else. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that they're already saying that at such a young age. Um, Yeah. So it sounds like not shaming, not um, like creating the message of those parts are special, Mm -hmm. but not like dirty or shameful or secret or that kind of thing. It's like, it's just for you and it's up to you eventually who you feel comfortable sharing that with. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely did naked baby dance parties when I was a kid. You could not get me to wear clothing as a baby. Um, it feels so much better. <laughs> and you will notice a difference with kids. Like there does shift um, cognitively with their awareness. Like, oh, we're not going to, you know, be naked in public kind of thing. Like that does shift and just respecting that. Like, oh, okay, you want to put some clothes on? You don't want to. And that happened with as my daughter got older. She's like, I don't want to, you know, like there's, you know, people or something else. And I was like, okay whatever you you know you're comfortable with I just want you to know your body is beautiful and if you do want to you can and also I respect your choice mm-hmm. okay well thank you so much for everything that you've shared during this interview this has been one of my favorite interviews that Yay! I've ever done that was awesome I love how much we covered I love that we went into some stuff that most people won't even talk about. (laughs) So I feel like this is going to be really helpful for people. And thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you for having me. So is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners of the Women's Dating and Confidence podcast about your work or any last messages? I mean, one of the main things that I would just say, ladies, is just remembering how important your pleasure is. And it's not in um, 
you know, like because of lack for them or that they don't get to. But when we start like seeing that our pleasure deserves a seat at the table as well, things are really going to start to shift for you. And if you, you know, like anything that I said here, for sure, follow me on Instagram. It's at Danielle Savory Coaching, or you can check out the podcast. It's my pleasure that Amber mentioned. All right. Thank you so much, Danielle. You're welcome. Have a good one.